Welcome! I'm Roxanne Spring, your personal midwife after hours, celebrating and promoting wisdom and power in pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Welcome everybody. It is a special presentation today on this special day, this being an Easter Sunday, for those that uh, commemorate Easter and for those that uh, just see this as another beautiful day in spring, I welcome you into the program. Thank you for being here. Today we have the special opportunity to hear from Ceci Cordova. She happens to be both a friend and a colleague that I've known for many years now. She is an indigenous healthcare provider and she does a variety of different types of body work and counseling for people and help them through very difficult transitions with physical or emotional trauma. This she does utilizing ancestral healing that she has heard. In addition to cranial psychotherapy, she is a lactation consultant and provides not only direct care to, to families, but also is a mentor for many other providers that are becoming lactation consultants. She is such an amazing person. She does have her uh, certified nurse midwifery and family nurse practitioner and IBCLC, which is her lactation consultant uh, credentials, but she just brings such a warmth and I'm glad that you're here to partake of her today. Ceci Cordoba. I am so, so profoundly excited that we are finally getting this chance to sit down and talk to you about the mighty works that you do in our area. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Roxanne. This is exciting. I'm glad we get to. Me as well. And this is on the occasion of you opening a whole new space. Yeah, yeah. It's actually really wonderful. I used to have uh, another space, but I, I closed it down after I was injured in an automobile accident. And it's just a thrill to be opening back up again. I've been working part-time the past year, and now I have my own space. So exciting. And it's lovely. It really is. I can't wait to see it, honestly. I cannot wait to see it. It will be wonderful. Come over for a visit. <laughs> well, I already know so much about you because you are my dear friend. And you became my dear friend when we were living actually on the other side of the mountains. And that story, there's many stories to it. And we have just had a beautiful opportunity to practice together as midwives also. And have shared different healing modalities that have energized us and many, many shares that we've had. But right now, let's... Let's let everyone out here know about your journey, specifically with midwifery, and then into all the different aspects of healing that you offer. Well, um, 
I'll tell you, actually, I wanted to be a midwife since I was just a kid. For some reason in junior high school, I made up some story about midwives and then just kept being called to midwifery. And um, there wasn't a lot of information about it at the time, and there wasn't an internet. Um, but I asked teachers, and I asked uh, my parents, and I kept asking people about how to become a midwife. And um, nobody had any ideas. So I pursued my art degree, which was my other love, and um, took a lot of biology and stuff just so I'd be ready when, when the time came. Yeah. I... Um, trying to think I took psychobiology of women and sort of things about reproductive science and and then after I graduated with an art degree I went back to the community college to get the rest of my prerequisites for midwifery or nursing school hmm. and um, I actually wanted to go to the Seattle midwifery school but um, was I also wanted to work at the Peace Corps and understood that in order to be in the Peace Corps, they wouldn't accept a licensed midwife training and um, needed to be a nurse midwife. And so that's what I did. And because of also because my interest, I became not only a, became a labor nurse after being a, a nursing student. When I graduated, I became a labor nurse and then be, applied for school to become a CNM and a family nurse practitioner. So that's what I do. And I did not enter the Peace Corps, but I have done that work in uh, places around here. Yes, you have. And you've always had your foot and your hands and your heart into serving the community in underserved areas as well, as I know that to be true. Mm -hmm. It is interesting, the pathway. So, and where did you accomplish this? Where, where, were, where were you growing up and where was this becoming? The story? Oh, you, do you mean specifically like my school? Geographically, you... yeah. Because okay. you well, mentioned I... Seattle Midwifery School, but you didn't right. actually graduate in... No, in... well, I got my art degree here in Seattle at the University oh, of Washington, mm -hmm. my nursing degree at Seattle U. Mm -hmm. And then I went to California to UCSD and UCSF for my graduate work. And... Um, yeah, this is prior, of course. What year was that? Oh, my heavens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dig back, dig back. <laughs> I, I think I might have graduated. I think I graduated from UCSD and UCSF in 92. Right. Well, I know that we were together on the other side of the mountains. You were working as a midwife, and I was a uh, nurse at the time. Right, and with, we were working together at the Toppenish Hospital, and that was before 1995, because in 1995, I moved over. I think it was only the second year the University of Washington was offering nurse midwifery program. Right, right. And the reason I went to California is they weren't offering it yet here at that time, so that's why. I mean, that was good, too, in its way. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, you got mm -hmm. to go to the UW, so that was exciting. And it was exciting to have you be my neighbor here when you came back. It was lovely to be neighbors. We could go on walks and um, have precious times together. And Yes. So then yeah. in, your, in your journey with midwifery, you've practiced in a lot of settings. Uh, what... Tell me about those opportunities and which what you're drawn to and what you love most. Well, mostly I've worked in hospitals and a couple of non-hospital clinics where I 
was able to serve predominantly people who were on Medicaid or didn't have insurance at all. I worked with refugees frequently and immigrants and people who were um, originally born here too, but people who, who had lower resources. And um, truthfully, while I was called often to home birth, I really liked working in the hospital because I was able to give people the kind of care that I value uh, who, who might not otherwise be able to have that. I, I love working with the people from different places. That was really fun. And I learned a lot. I, I can, you know, I have little bits of conversational things I can say in many different languages related to midwifery. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. So by and large, it still is that the majority of women are being served in hospitals. So your mm-hmm. access to that diversity is was it was greater for me as well. Yeah. Although although because both you you speak fluently Spanish, and I don't know if there's other languages you speak fluently, but no, and I'm, I'm frankly not fluent in Spanish. Working on it, but not fluent yet. Yeah, but. I think if you can speak it, read it and dream in it, it's okay, you're fluent. <laughs> I'm fluent at a proficiency of a grade school child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a sixth grade midwife. Yeah. <laughs> if that, if that, I don't know, that's probably generous. And that's what I find is that people that speak Spanish are so generous in yes. their acknowledgement of the little bits that I might have. And yes. that's been just a lovely, lovely aspect of that. Well, we were, yes, I've, I've enjoyed working with people from different places. And, you know, actually in the first Gulf War, we had a lot of people who were Iraqi. <laughs> and um, that, that was fascinating too. I mean, people, people are, um, people are, are generous to share of themselves and to trust when they come to a, a new place and meet a new midwife. And um, I loved sharing time with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then you've had an opportunity to work in group practices and mm-hmm. solo. So just contrast yeah. and compare how that's worked for you, what you like about oh, each. I, You know, what's nice about working in a group practice is sharing and having immediate opportunity to consult. I worked in one practice that was just small. There were just three of us. And, um, you know, every is like all of our clients were kind of like our cousins. It <laughs> felt like that we were all family and everybody knew everything about each other. It was really sweet. That was one of the dearest practices um, in a small town. And then on my own, well, I like being on my own because I can do the practice the way I prefer to do it and um and the the visits take time we do body work we do counseling we do conversation we, so there's a lot more going on in the midwifery visits that i have than, than just measuring things and talking about the upcoming uh births and how to prepare for it so mm-hmm. that's actually a pleasure for me as, mm-hmm. as the body work has become a greater part of my work um i've been able to employ that with yeah, and then people who have other practitioners—they're not coming to me for midwifery care per se, but they're having kind of an adjunct, mm-hmm. additional to yeah. their own practice. Well, why don't you describe so, some of the body work that you offer? 
Well, I do uh, craniosacral therapy, which is something a lot of people know about. It is a uh, practice of promoting the flow, I guess, specifically of the craniosacral fluid by uh, assisting the bones to all move, to be separate so they can move in their own uh, different patterns. And uh, everything from the head to the tail, because it's called craniosacral, um, <laughs> But, you know, our heads have 22 bones in them, and it helps them to all be separate so they can move independently and not have pressures, allow, allowing the proper flow of uh, nerve conduction, blood, and, and throughout the entire body, not just in that little realm. I also do um, what I call ancestral hands-on healing because it is um, a healing modality that incorporates some craniosacral therapy. Um, and it involves my hands and it's being taught to me constantly by my ancestors. And that's why, <laughs> that's why I call it that. <laughs> and that is actually beautiful work. And it's all of it together is partly body work, but our bodies aren't separate from our, from our emotions, our spirit, our mind. We are really all one. And, um, that's all that's involved in there. So we call it body work, but really it's, it involves our spirits. It's kind of like counseling. Our bodies, our hearts, our mind, our soul are all one, really. And in fact, actually, that's my tagline on that. It's like mm. sacred medicine for your body, your mind, your heart, and your soul, because it's all one thing. So even though it looks like body work and it's called body work, it actually... Uh, it's an opportunity for people to access their inner wisdom, understand their deeper selves. And it maybe is kind of like counseling, but mm -hmm. mostly people uh, find their own answers. Mm -hmm. It's not counseling as in telling people anything. Right. It's allowing them to have that communion with their own deepest, mm -hmm. their own deepest desires and, and inner knowings. Which is a great deal of what midwifery is working about, is helping, just uh, wanting that discovery process. But the whole idea of a woman being the one that is in charge of the birth of the whole process. Oh, there you are. Yeah, yeah, that she has the... I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you because you were frozen. Okay, my turn to start over. Indeed, that's what uh, midwifery is such a celebration of, from my point of view, is that the woman is the celebrated, the woman and the baby. I don't leave the baby out. They're navigating it and they're experiencing things as one. But the whole, the focal point being that they come together in their power and they have their discoveries with their wisdom of what is to be. The focal point being that they is the last thing I heard. That they have access to their inner knowings and their power, and they're riveted together in working together. And yes. Oh, yeah, and, and actually true midwifery care or you know, obstetrical care would honor that as the central portion of the the work that's being done, and then we work to support that rather than direct it and Correct. tell it what to do. So, um, 
that's that's the missing piece in modern obstetrics is uh, the, the the unit of the, the dyad who are actually doing the real birthing. Right. The acknowledgement that the birthing belongs to them. Uh-huh. And yes, I remember that you've had a lot of diverse and wonderful opportunities to train to get this portfolio of of gifts that you have have been drawn to like you were talking ancient ways of knowing and being that's coming to you directly through your own lineage i find that to be such a beautiful thing i've had a lot of different kinds of training from from different programs that were helpful to me i think to open my heart and open my mind to different ways of being and and truthfully as they opened my heart i that allowed my ancestors to work through me i I would say it allowed me to recognize their efforts which perhaps i which i hadn't recognized before um and uh i've had training in various things i i've had certificates that i've allowed to lapse and that i have not and certificates that i've chosen not to um, obtain because in the end i wasn't doing exactly what i was taught i was doing something different because uh, the ancestral work and the cranial sacral therapy together uh, precluded me following the protocols that were outlined in the other trainings and what I do isn't protocol driven, truthfully. When somebody right. comes in, um, I really don't know what's going to happen. So I don't, I don't have a protocol. I have things that I might do during certain, certain circumstances and also things that I haven't ever done before that I, I learn to do during a particular visit. Um, so it's, it's always a, uh, it's really custom. <laughs> I don't know. I say chances are good. We'll sit, we're going to sit and talk first, and then the chances are good when you get on the table. I'm going to start with my hands on your feet, and after that, um, I don't know. I'd say the biggest deal that I, I like to tell people. I think this is the most important thing. I think consent. Consent. So I tell people what the touch is usually like, and I ask everybody to uh, be aware of their their um, responsibility, in fact, not just the right, but the responsibility to let me know what is safe and comfortable for them. And while I ask about specific movements at different times, I also know that we all have things that that, uh, are difficult or are triggers for us. So please tell me if anything feels uncomfortable or you don't like something or you're worried about something and we'll stop and then we'll reconnoiter. So exactly, that's probably the most important. I, I would call the work I do. It's kind of like a dance. Mm-hmm. When I put my hands on someone's feet, I learn from there what's the next move, and so it's a move from there, and and um, and their body responds or their heart responds, so that it's uh, it's not me directing it by any means. It's more like giving an opportunity for them to speak or remember things that they have held quiet Mm. or didn't know existed. That is beautiful. I like that, that they've held quiet Mm -hmm. and almost rediscovering inner things that are uh, 
helpful to be able to, when you are ready, take a look at. When you're ready, that's and that's the big deal. Is that nothing comes before people are ready. I, our, our hearts are very kind to us in a lot of ways in revealing information. We don't usually get it before we're ready. And, um, and then this, this work is also physical. I mean, people come because um, they have, I have somebody who comes uh, on a regular basis with scoli who has scoliosis and feels that they get kind of a tune-up every year. After their first visit, they were able to be um, pain-free for the first time in a long, long time. Um, other people, I'm trying to think of things, back pain and, and um, migraines. I mean, they're physical things that people come for, but there are spiritual things and uh, emotional reasons as well. In this blend of, I don't know if you currently already have um, a certain, if you have a certain number of families that you are going to be able to serve as a midwife, if you already have a specific number, or how does that feel? Or if another day <laughs> at the moment, being midwifery client. If I'm just getting back, I am doing the body work and counseling. Um, I I do lactation support as well yes. and um, craniosacral for babies as well. So that I will I did phrenotomies a few years back and I'll probably start that up again soon. But it's right now it's mostly it's mostly body work and that seems to serve people the most. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Just wanted to have a good understanding of what is you know, what is available and which work yeah, you're drawn to. What's really right? going on over here? <laughs> well, I, I still do get contacts, not not as often, um, and I delight to know and who I can refer them to since my days of, of doing that have, have been complete. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> you had a good time. Yeah, oh, indeed, and many, many, many wonderful things. And if there's any pang, I, it's almost the same as when I had my family, I had a sense of complete when I had my yes. six children. And when I had the end of midwifery, I had a sense of complete, although it's still a bit of a pang when one of my families are going to have another baby. And I just oh, yeah. so love to participate in that. And yet also know that they will be well served by others, you know, and they will find yeah. out. It is amazing. It is. Well, it's beautiful work. It is beautiful work. It is. What, um, as you look around and there's been so much that has transpired for all of us in the last year two years the gentleness that you bring is such a beautiful oasis uh, and the work that you do for all of these needs is such a beautiful thing what though has captured your mind and your heart for the work that must be done for all of us so to speak wow. 
Um, I've, I'm not sure if this is your question, so you can redirect me afterwards if you want. Um, I, one of the things that has come to me really strongly um, is the need for more providers who are people of color. And I've had the privilege and honor of working with a number of families who, um, and, and individuals who are people of color, who, who really lament that it's so difficult to find practitioners. Um, we, it, it would be a blessing, totally a blessing for people to have more, um, more midwives of color, more counselors and therapists of color, more physicians of all stripes, <laughs> stripes, um, more dentists, and everybody would be wonderful. So that people go and they have a sense that they're um, seen for who they are, rather than predominantly for the color of their skin, and. Um, and one of the reasons, actually, I, I became an IBCLC, and the predominant reason was so that I could mentor other people who wanted to be IBCLCs, and um, and um, and increase the number of IBCLCs of color in our community. At the time, there weren't many. Now it's really wonderful. There's more CLCs and uh, lots of opportunities, but we need more. So. That's my goal. That's yeah. my wish. For, for everyone out there who isn't familiar with the IBCLC, it is, they oh. are certified lactation consultants. Yeah. So Inter international, internationally board certified lactation consultants. Right. Um, there are also certified lactation consultants, and I can't remember what all the other alphabet soup, soup is of all the people, <laughs> of all the... Of um, all the credentials, but there are a number, and and uh, we really have a rich resources here in the Puget Sound area mm -hmm. with people who have different trainings, different backgrounds, and uh, we're really quite fortunate. But my my wish is for that is for people who are um, find limitations either through for cultural reasons, language reasons. Um, financial reasons or time reasons you know if you're working and you have children it's hard to find the time to do some of the programs the way they're expected to be done I, and I try to be flexible that so that people can have opportunities that they might not otherwise be able to access so that's my my wish and my goal um, the other thing is has become really more obvious over the past few years I mean has always been there but not as visible um, are people who are um, non-binary, not restricted by our binary system um, in gender and sexual orientation. And, and I see that that is something that people are seeking safe places where they can be who they are uh, without, without having to hide any aspects of themselves. Um, I have to say in my experience, well, in my experience uh, as a clinician, I, I really appreciate, again, when people have the trust in me to be who they are to the, to the best of their capacity, given that when they first walk in the door, they don't know me. So my, my wish and my goal there is to help people feel safe mm -hmm. and cared for. 
Yeah, those are those are two areas of having representational community that has been very often neglected, if we would. It has mm -hmm. been emphasized in the midwifery community for some time now. Uh, we've been yeah. mindful of it and working to dispel to dispel the whole way of thinking that may be mindless and unconscious in terms of hierarchical thinking uh, regarding people's uh, choices, colors, whatever, religious, whatever choices, and having that openness. But having, as you began this conversation, as you began this aspect of this conversation, you were talking about people really being able to have access to the representational individuals that would they would resonate with they would feel the most comfortable with be it their culture be it their uh, political or their or their sexual persuasion or whatever it is but having that representation and having that be a community that can be collectively appreciative and respectful of one another is such an important thing in my view as well okay. and I, I really think it's very important that you have you not only are doing that in the in terms of helping with uh, lactation consultants but you are also sitting on boards that are really advocating for this representation is that right I thought that you not currently. Oh, not, not currently. Cur you no. you have previously served no. on boards that are really focused on these goals yes. of having this type of representation, and that is uh, the the work is is so so broad, <laughs> and yet the actions that one takes to be about that business is what makes it broken down into steps that are doable. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I feel about it. I hope that that is how is it is how it is. Yeah. Well, I think that when we are face to face with people who have a need that's not being met, then as clinicians, we can do our best to offer that but it propels us to do more in the bigger picture too, societally and politically, and um, see what we can do to help, help other people either fill the role of clinician in, in a place where they, they're needed, or um, to be the clinician that people want. Right. And, and I mean, it is, um, I think even with the best of intentions and the most love in your heart and great skill and uh, education, there's still something lacking when people want um, to feel safe with somebody who may be a little closer to their experience of who, who they want to be with. Mm -hmm. so, well, the commitment well, to uh, uh, embracing and and forwarding that cause is is really important. I know that you have been a preceptor all along your path as a midwife. 
-hmm. and that you have been a preceptor not not simply for where you have a person that's for a, just a defined quarter or portion of their training but you've taken on a longer participation with someone in in that and tell me about that has that was that uh was that commitment to seeing someone through more of their training in an apprenticeship style, was that really, tell me how that occurred for you. Oh, um, again, some people, you know, some people have the luxury and the privilege of saying, I'm gonna do this thing and charging through it and finishing it in two years or three years. And some people have children and family responsibilities uh, financial obligations and it takes them longer time because of the uh, because they have other things going on in their day so I just try to meet people where they are and do what they need so supply what they need and um, to me one of the I, we need to have skill knowledge and experience for sure but we also need to practice loving engagement and and open-hearted acceptance of our clients and the people i've been able to work with as a preceptor for the most part they bring that already and mm -hmm. learning how to apply it to the to the specific task at hand or to specific mm -hmm. skills is kind of my role is helping them to do that but there are already people who who welcome all their clients with an open heart and I, um, I'm grateful to be have a chance to work with them. It's mm -hmm. pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. What has been energizing you most lately, as of late? Well, <laughs> so many things. Um, you know, I, um, as I said, I was didn't work for a little over a year. I didn't work at all because I was injured in, in an accident, and um, started working last year. Just like one one client maybe two a week a friend of mine rented space to me just one day a week and um uh, a couple of weeks ago maybe it was three weeks ago now i was walking home and saw a sign that said uh, office space for lease and i called them and rented the place signed the contract and went in there and washed and painted the walls and actually that's what i've been doing for two weeks is is changing it over and moving in so that's actually my main focus the past few weeks it was kind of a whirlwind that i didn't anticipate and i'm really excited about how it how it took shape and uh, told me that it was time mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm. so i'm i have flexibility now to be able to see people when i want and i'm surprised i've had a few people and periodically i get calls people wanting primary care but I've had a few this past week, and it was time to say yes to that. Um, or let me say, maybe they're not primary care. Maybe they're more GYN focused, but they're a little bit more, more in the allopathic world that I uh, have trained in, and a little less in the body work. All the body work probably is useful for everybody. We'll <laughs> see how that all works out. Yeah. Well, that is exciting. I know that I, I felt the very same. I mean, it was just yesterday when you had posted it, and I'm like, yes! Oh, my goodness, yes! So I was very energized by that as well. Your other space was indeed beautiful, and I have no doubt that this one will be 
a lovely energy and I'm it, it's great that is great do you so you have by hours by arrangement or yeah by have, appointment I like to talk to people when they contact me usually sometimes people contact me by phone but usually by um, email from my website and I like to talk to them for a few minutes to find out what they're really looking for and it helps me to make sure they're getting what they need and answer their questions about the work I do. Um, I, I, I think my work, I think, is divided into three main areas, and one is uh, what I call integrated pregnancy and postpartum care, which is body work and probably you could call it childbirth education, uh, but it's preparation for not just childbirth, but for the transition that we undergo spiritually it's not just physical people act like it's physical only but my goodness to go from being um an individual who is now a pregnant person who is then birthing a child and then parenting a child is I mean, that's huge work and a lot of and, and many people don't in our society these days people don't have a model for that um, many of us have moved away from home. Many people have sworn they're never going to do it the way their parents did it. There's a <laughs> lot of ways that we are separated from the experiences. And what I'm here to do is to help people in that transition to their their new role and their new identity and to find out what that means for them. And that it also includes... Um, it also includes doing positions and postures and stuff for pregnancy comfort and getting ready for childbirth and talking about tending babies and lactation. Um, but it's it's about what the person, the parent needs, and they are they're the lead on that. So that's one thing that I really really love. So people who are even even. I tell them it's like the midwifery care I give. It's just that I don't measure anything, and I'm not the person who's making the midwifery decisions or attending the birth. Although, actually, of the, the last few people I have, I have attended a couple of the births. Um, and uh, and then the, another thing I do is the integrated lactation care, which is a combination of, again, body work and uh, lactation support and... Um, Oh, tongue tie, tongue tie mm -hmm. awareness. Um, a lot of times there's so much more to a tongue tie than just a little bit of tissue. And people say, oh, you can just cut it and that's it. But there really is a lot more um, sometimes b because a tongue tie forms or is, uh, is not unformed in the first trimester. It can affect the baby's posture throughout their gestation mm -hmm. and until it's released if it needs to be released it can affect their the way they have a, a latching mm -hmm. onto the nipple to draw milk and um, it can have effects on other parts of their body as well related to that so the body work and the lactation support are really essential in dealing with a tongue tie even if somebody does have tongue tie surgery or a phrenotomy or a tongue tie release, uh, it's going to be more successful if they have the body work. Mm -hmm. And we're fortunate in this area, we have a number of um, 
body workers who do that and people who uh, are skilled as lactation uh, lactation consultants. My ben- actually one of the things that's a benefit of being an ARNP or an advanced registered nurse practitioner is that I have contracts with insurance companies so people don't have to pay out of pocket for my work. As a general rule, they can come and insurances uh, will cover it. And as I and I it can refer people to people who do phrenotomies, hmm. if that seems to be the need. And sometimes people get a phrenotomy and and uh, they are referred to come to me for the care afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And predominantly, it sounds like you're doing work one on one. Is there also? Uh, do you foresee any kind of class opportunity, or that has been the most rewarding and the most useful to you now? Oh, I love them both. I, since I am actually starting up again right now, I can do it anything I want. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I get I to love decide. It. That's it. I'm, yeah, I think what um, I will be having, one of the things I want to do is have um, like pregnancy dance. <laughs> I was going to just call that out because we have done that with my, with my mommies. It was so wonderful. It was was so so wonderful. Um, The other thing I'd like to do is have a lactation support group. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure really how we'll do that. That's a real benefit for my lactation uh, students or mentees, the ones who are working towards an IBCLC Mm -hmm. to have uh, an opportunity for us to work together in a group is a real thrill. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I have this beautiful big porch on my office, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that perhaps in the summer we can actually do some herb classes. Mm-hmm. Another so, passion in your life. Which actually, I'm going to say too that a lot of so my my work that I do, I just mentioned I said the integrated uh, lactation therapy and integrated pregnancy and postpartum care, um, and another aspect is the the traditional or ancestral hands-on healing, and that does in, involve sometimes um, uh, herbs, either ingested as teas, because sometimes, well, heck, the, the you know the the my prescription could be a cup of tea or standing outside. Mm-hmm. Um, there are various things, but sometimes I do cleansings mm-hmm. um, with um, or limpias with. Um, you know, with herbs and plants, sometimes uh, there are, uh, I do hip, hip uh, well, I would call it wrappings, not just the hips. When mm-hmm. people say, de las caderas, it's more than just the hips. Um, it is cocooning and coming out mm-hmm. into a new world. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is part of the care I give people, but it's not usually as a, um, It's it's part of care. It's usually not something I say. Oh, today we're going to do this. It's that, right. that's what comes up when we're in the visit. Um, yes. Well, I can definitely picture the the dan- the pregnancy dance. That's just such a delight, and movement being a core issue of expression and freedom. Mm-hmm. and joy, uh, just all of those things are to be had with that uh, celebration. Yeah. Well, and helping helping that baby be in a comfortable place for both mom and baby to 
to have birth this baby. Exactly. I recently had somebody whose baby was just not aligned for when, when one would expect it to be a little bit more midline. And it was kind of exciting to see how the process of a few visits over a few days helped the baby to fall into place and then get things going. That was just a lovely experience. Um, so, yeah, you know, sometimes people come to me because, because of the position of the baby mm-hmm. and that we do body work and movement to support movement there. Well, I, I, that is what I'm here to discover, here to help us discover what else, what is going to be the thing that people hear today that maybe they've heard it differently than they've heard it before. And just to be able to know that these services, these modalities are accessible. I am trying to think, what are the most important things for people to know about this? Appointments available, you know, pretty flexible. But I think that one of the nice things is that there's some insurance coverage for body mm-hmm. work, for craniosacral therapy. That really is important because so many people pay quite a bit to have the insurance that they have without it being necessarily an option. And then that is so wonderful that people can utilize their insurance to get the work that they want done because they already pay for that premium of insurance. And then to pay again out of pocket uh, is a financial hardship in many cases. And so, so... Yes. So that's why I have state insurance because there aren't a lot of places you can go that state insurance covers body work. Is it because of your your actual licensing as a um, advanced registered nurse practitioner that gives you more access to this to cover, or and that you've taken Probably, the time to yeah. contract and you've taken the time to contract with them? Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's why a lot of the things, even the lactation support. I don't know that other people I, who are not ARMPs can have the contract. So that's, um, and, and if, if they can, that's wonderful. I didn't, but I just know that there are not many people who do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that um, it's a benefit. It really is. And then tell me how you, um, besides this program, which thank you for doing this, how we're going to help you get the word out. Where are people going to find you and, begin this dialogue on all these moms groups and all these other things. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, post things in my Facebook page, which is Sacred Good Medicine, and on the local Puget Sound uh, Birth Professionals page. So um, my website is sacredgoodmedicine.com, and I have a Facebook page, which is linked to that, but it's also called Sacred Good Medicine. And that's it. <laughs> that's that's the way before. you know. There's an easy way to, to connect with you through that, of emailing you right from the sites and yeah. and uh, sharing and, and friending you. Are, do you, I know this is so soon and so uh, much effort and excitement is going into just getting this up and going, but do you foresee a, an open house that we could... 
I've thought about it actually. It's I have one room in a building, so I don't know if I'll have an open house, but it's right. a nice idea. Yeah, we'll see. I've got that porch in the summertime. Maybe yeah, that would be cool. in the summertime, come and celebrate on the porch. I have just a little yeah. bit of a um, available tease and uh, a little exactly. bit of ceremonial dance. And, uh, right. you know. Yeah, that's that's my wish. We'll see. And in fact, um, yeah, if people, um, I guess you like or follow the page, then then they'll be aware when they these opportunities arise. Exactly. And actually, look forward to the classes too, because I think that's um, it's just a nice way. Again, we all need to have the opportunity to have as much autonomy in our care as possible, and to be able to talk about it. Um, so there will be. It, at this point, I'm looking very much forward to having these groups mm -hmm. in my um, in my office. It's a smaller space than my previous space, okay. so it's a little more limited. And also, we have a pandemic, yeah. and so there is uh, I need to be mindful of the way we we interact with with groups of people. When I'm actually when I have my clients and I wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And um, I wear gloves when I'm holding their faces. Mm -hmm. And um, but when <laughs> so groups would work sometimes in the room, your groups extend to the porch. But some things are best done probably on Zoom. So we'll just see how things work from week to week and month to month as we go along. Yes, that's all we can do. For one of the gifts that we got was the illusion that we were in control of all things has been now removed. <laughs> sure. Sure. And the ability to just accept that we do not have control and to adapt is more prominent. It's a more prominent, yes. uh, more prominent in our minds that that is what it is going to require, which is, which is good. Which is good. Yeah, that's no, good. It, it, it takes more effort now to pretend that we know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it does. It takes a little bit more effort. It's not just sheer determination. It's also what yeah. uh, what are we to learn now? What are, what are we open to learning now? Yes. Well, we are coming down to the last few minutes, and I just want to make sure that if there is something that's occurred to you that we haven't already begun to chat about or that you want to make sure that people know um, that you have a chance to share that with us. Well, I think the things that people seem to either think I do lactation or they think I do craniosacral therapy or they think I do midwifery, but they, you know, different groups of people think different things. And I, I would like people to know that they're, um, that I come, that my work is with my hands and my heart. I do what I need, basically. Uh, I do the work that is needed by each individual, and I'm fortunate to have skill and training and credentials and insurance contracts <laughs> that yeah. um, allow me to do a variety of things, including um, the lactation care and body work and working with pregnant and non-pregnant people and postpartum people. I, I guess I would say that that's the biggest thing. I love movement. I love our bodies and I love supporting people who live in bodies <laughs> to find the most, the, the best way for them to be, feel safe and comfortable at, at, with who they are in the mm -hmm. world. 
Mm -hmm. mm. So profound. Yes. I have had an opportunity both to refer people to you with uh, tongue-tied issues and body work, and I've had an opportunity to refer people that had other, uh, can't even remember the, the exactness of what it was, but that have truly been helped and truly appreciated the wonderful work that you do and had nothing but glowing things to say about it. And it's a wonderful thing to have that confidence of of having the type of committed nurture that you bring to each relationship. And the, that in and of itself fosters healing. In I addition. Agree. Thank you. And I love that phrase, committed nurture. Thank you. I think, you know, the best things we can do for each other are listen to each other and really show that, that we matter. And that's what I strive for in my work is to really hear what people have to say. And I think what I like, what I think is most important is to hear what people have to say and see who they are so that they can know that they're heard and that their experience and their presence is valued um, and find a way for them to express and live as who they are so they can um, be safe, feel safe and valued in this world. And that's that's my work. Mm -hmm. My work is, um, I think, listening and witnessing. You know, Ceci, I have always considered you a curandera. Now, I don't know how many people in our audience knows about a curandera, but would you share with us? And then they're going to understand exactly why it is that that's what I consider you. Oh, that's sweet. Well, you know... Um, a curandera is, is um, well, somebody who does curing, basically healing. Um, in the Spanish language, usually in uh, Central and, and South America, and uh, well, in Mexico, which is part of North America. But um, I, as I said, a lot of my training has come from my ancestors. And at one point, I wanted to know if I didn't want, I didn't feel like I had a lineage I could say, oh, I learned from this person or that person. And I, started I mean you were a midwife you were incredibly into art but then it began to emerge into more of a role of a curandera when um, I have always been attracted I've always been spiritually drawn to um, the traditional types of care that are um, that we see in many cultures and um, even in Northern European cultures, they're just dormant because they were persecuted and killed during the um, Inquisition. But they, they, they have um, survived in many places in different ways through different means. And um, it's always been intriguing to me. And when I encountered a book by uh, Elena Avila, the book is called Woman Who Glows in the Dark. She is a... Um, nurse practitioner, psychiatric nurse practitioner, 
who um, became a curandera through teachings of her um, Aztec, mm -hmm. Aztec teachers. Uh, I was so moved and so, uh, so called. And I was able to do some uh, individual and some group classes with her. Mm. And um, again, I was just wishing, <laughs> wishing, I guess. But there was a time about six or seven years ago when uh, circumstances caused me to be aware that my ancestors were calling me. And I just hadn't been aware or able to answer previously, I guess. And um, my work began to change. And I became um, aware of different abilities and different leanings than I had previously. And I, um, I wanted to know if I, I believed I called, I wanted to know if I would be received as a curandera, yeah, amongst others, curanderas, curanderos. And I went to a gathering and was um, so warmed to have people, I didn't call myself that, but people recognize me mm -hmm. as a curandera. And one of the, um, the teachers and healers uh, gave me a, uh, a blessing, I would say. She gave me her belt to wear. And mm -hmm. it was uh, comforting. It was warming to me to be recognized and to know that that was um, what I was doing was recognized work. But also, I don't go by that name. Although people have found me. People have found me and said, I look for a curandera in Seattle and, and I, that's why I came to you. So people get that kind of care, whether that's what they're coming for or whether that's, whether they say that word or not, um, the work that they get is what it is they need. Mm. We find it, mm -hmm. we find the way together mm. and they get what they need. And I, um, and I love my work. I, got, I love my work. I love my hands mm. and my heart and my hands um, transmit this work. So, thank you for asking me about it, Roxanne. Oh, that's so beautiful. I wouldn't, I really, that has been apparent to me as well that you are, in fact, a curandera. And I am honored to know you. Mm. Yes, and you do it well. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. What a joy to have had you give us this opportunity to sit down together, even though it's all cross Zoom. But to sit down together and share of your practice and this opening, opening up with your healing yourself, having been generated over the past year and present now for that, for the flow of the healing to come through your hands and to the others. It's beautiful. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much, Roxanne. It's what a pleasure it's been to talk with you. And thanks for letting me talk about all this stuff because I love it. Forward to talk with you again. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm.